exclusive podcast from Impact 89FM. East Lansing. You think the Pistons are playoff bound? And that last play by the Giants totally gave the rest This MSU team deserves to be in a BCS game. still and always will be hockey time. You can't hit in this league, you're garbage. Happy New Year, everyone. I'm Alex Shark, and alongside me, David DeFever. How will MSU's football team fare next year? Who on this team will break out for the NFL departures? is the Spartan Sports Wrap. Like I said, who will break out because of NFL departures? How about MSU's basketball's chance of winning the Big Ten? All that and more on the Spartan Sports Wrap. I'm Alex Shark. David DeFever to my left. We've got a jam-packed show coming up today. So much with the new year. BCS galore national championship tonight. We'll get an opinion at the end of the show from David and I on who's going to win that. Again, we have listeners from all over the world. If it is your first time tuning in, we have listeners as far as San Jose State University and Miami, Florida. And we do have a good people in Detroit. Even though they're not any slancing, there are still a lot of people in Detroit that tune into the sports rap. Uh, again, we have a special guest every week. Um, each week at the sports rap, we'd like to bring on a journalist, an athlete, a coach, some sort of guy. But because of all of the jam-packed news in today's world, we've decided, folks, to keep it strictly, strictly MSU for most of the show, along with some open lines. So again, the number for today's show... 517-432-3893. 517-432-3893. And to start each show, we have our annual score of the week. Brought to you by the Impact, our score of the week. And this is how it works. David and I ask a question each week. And if you know the answer to the question, you will have the opportunity to win a potential prize. And the prize this week on the Sports Wrap is a Nebo gift certificate. If you do not know what Nebo is, get to know it. Nebo is a collegiate apparel and textbook company right out of here in East Lansing. And it's actually national, so you can order online even if you are out of East Lansing. Uh, if you know the answer to this question, 517-432-3893. Again, it's the number you can call in with our question of the week. You can also tweet. That's at 89FM Sports Rap. Again, the Twitter handle at 89FM Sports Rap. If you know the answer to this question, feel free to tweet or you can also call in. And the question this week, and we're going to ask this again, David, because nobody got it correct the last two weeks. A lot of guesses. People just couldn't get it in in time for whatever reason. But the question this week, once again, and it changed, the answer changed from the following week. So that's very important to know. How many of the Detroit Lions games this season were determined by eight points or less? So out of the 16 games played by the Detroit Lions, how many of them were determined by eight points or less? If you know the answer, like I said, at 89FM Sports Rep or 517-432-3893. Also, we like to start each week off with our Chad Ocho Zero segment. How it works is each week, David and I pick something about Chad Johnson that he just can't stop to get out of. It's something in the media. It can be anything from going out with his ex-girlfriend, uh, the, the, the girl that he, he was cited with at the Houston Texans games. It can be having his ex, Evelyn Lozada, stalk him on Twitter. This guy cannot get out of the media, and every week, he still is in it. So this week... Breaking news, Chad Johnson is suing two websites for illegally posting a sex tape, David. Illegally posting a sex tape, two websites. Now, it's one thing to talk about Chad Johnson in a manner that, hey, this guy's got an attitude, he celebrates too much, he's got to stop getting on arguments with coaches, but David, this is completely different. This is being shot in a Florida hotel room and Chad Johnson calling the FBI to confirm that it's him and this lawsuit needs to be in, be in straightaways. Now, David, your thoughts on this news, uh, for those of you who don't know, in, in, in past weeks, Chad Johnson was cut from a professional team. He could not get any other looks anywhere else. His ex-wife gave a restraining order against him, and Twitter wars continued. This guy just draws so much attention. He has over a million followers on Twitter himself. So a lot to take in. David, just to start off the bat, welcome. Happy New Year. Your thoughts on Chad Johnson and more. Yeah, um, obviously it's something you don't want to see as a person and something that, as Chad Ocho Zero, as we call him, doesn't want to see either. I mean, this guy's in the media enough as it is, and now two websites legally posting it. 
filing for a lawsuit. I think he's doing the right thing here, even though the media, he can't get out of the media no matter what he does. Um, he really needs to figure it out when it comes to his normal life, wait, being where he's at, if he's being filmed and stuff like that. I he just can't get it together as a person. Right, absolutely. Now, uh, what, do you, what if, if, if a word of wisdom was to be used or some kind of, uh, come on, Chad, give you, give you the elbow here, uh, what would you say to a guy like this, David? Is this the kind of guy that, that needs to really just just focus on him, work out every day, or is this just going to stop with just him, uh, I don't know, just simply his personality changes? Yeah, I think it's definitely himself as a person he needs to change. He's always been the, the loud mouth, the extra celebration, the guy that hypes himself up as much as he might not be that good. Um, he, I think he just needs to get out of the media world, turn your phone off, throw it away, get away from everything, because no matter what, People seem to find a way to bring Chad Ochocinco up. Oh, they'll do anything. That's absolutely correct. Uh, if you're just tuning in, usually at the start of the show, we also give a rundown along with the answer to the question of the week. Uh, actually, the question being proposed for this week. Uh, so basically, rundown on today's show, 710. That's going to be in a couple minutes. We've got Spartan football galore, TCU bowl game, Darquez Denard in the cornerbacks, a little uneasy play, uh, player performances from Sadler, the kicker, Conroy, making that game winner. Uh, quarterback competition next year. We'll talk about that too. All of that and more up till 7.30. And at 7.30 after our quick break, we have Spartan basketball with Brandon Dawson getting compliments from Purdue coach Matt Painter about how good of a rebounder Brandon Dawson is. We'll get to that. And the Brandon Kearney transfer and more at 7.30. 7.45. We've been waiting weeks for this. I know David over there with his Rangers jersey has been waiting for this too. Hockey's back for 48 games. I know it's not a lot, but it's something. Right, David? I think we could say that. Yes, definitely. Detroit Red Wings is a totally different team, totally different play- players, and a totally different layout and a totally different identity. How will this team do without Lidstrom? Who on defense is stepping up? Do they have the lineup necessary to make a deep playoff run? All that and more, 745. And then to end the show, uh, we may talk a little bit about the Red Hot Detroit Pistons, you can call them red hot because they've won more games in the last couple weeks than they've won in almost two months. So that's pretty good. Uh, uh, back again with the Pistons, there is the goon of the week that we play at the end of every show. Now how it works is each week David and I pick a goon each week, and that will be the guy that we just think needs to do something right. Chad Johnson could easily be a candidate, David. I mean, it's very clear. Very we, we talk about him every week at the beginning of the show, so as long as he is not in the front page, he will be a goon every week. <laughs> uh Jinx it now. Come on. No. <laughs> we got we to make sure that doesn't happen. All right. So, start it off. We'll start a bit, about a minute 30 early. And again, if you want to comment on anything so far in the show, any any other topics you'd like to hear about, 517-432-3893. David Fever over here as well. You can ask him something. Anything from hockey, thoughts about NHL. Follow him on Twitter, Planned Sick Days. That is the, the Twitter name. The, uh, actually, no, it's Fever 6 right? No, add David DeFever. Add De- David DeFever. I totally forgot. Um, anyways, if you want to follow David, it's at David DeFever, not Plan Sick Days. That's actually another big, uh, pretty big site that a lot of people look at. But no, add David DeFever if you want to follow him. Uh, again, you can also follow the Spartan Sports Rap at 89FM Sports Rap. Starting it off, David, we'll kick it off right away. Spartan football. TCU coming in to, to Arizona for the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. Uh, Spartans getting a, a different weather change. Only one guy really from the south, that's Darquez Denard out of Georgia. But, you know, a lot of these guys not used to this warm weather, consistently playing from Ohio to Michigan, you know, all the way out to the East Coast too. We've got a Maryland guy or two. You know, th- this team is pretty diverse, you know, considering that it is Michigan State, probably more diverse than most years. You know, we're starting to get some Florida talent. That, that's one thing that D'Antonio has been talking about. But you know, the most important thing uh, to know about this team was the play in the BC, well, in the bowl weeks. And that started with the TCU game. Uh, basically, Dan Conroy, the guy we never expected the whole year. I, I think, David, you could agree with me or not, but I think if you ask this same question, would Dan Conroy be the face of this team in this kind of situation, your answer would be? No. Mm, very interesting. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But I want to start off the show talking about all the play, we'll get this negative criticism out in the beginning. I want to talk about all the play and all the different players that contributed to this cluster season. Started off with Isaiah Lewis. I can't tell you, David, 
how much during the TCU game he was playing the ball rather than the receiver. Thank goodness that there was no end result that impacted the team more. Isaiah Lewis letting some deep balls. Darquez Denard falling on end zone throws. Guys wide open in the end zone because he falls when fouling him. Listen, David and I were not playing the game. We can't sit here and say, oh, you should have done that. But look, for top flight corners, that is not expected in a bowl game. Moving on, let's go to the offense real quickly. Le'Veon Bell said the following, quote, I want to throw the football because I can throw it. Now, we saw for one of the few times this year during the game, a halfback toss, option pass to Le'Veon Bell. Now, David, did you catch that play at all? What did you see from that? I actually didn't catch the play, but obviously when you look at the stats, at the, at the statistics, he did complete it for 29 yards, which happened to be one more yard more than Maxwell's whole performance in the bowl game. But, I mean, one for one, Hondo P. Yeah, so, so there, I mean, there, there's another pass that was pretty interesting to see. And uh, besides the one for one, he actually did another one. But uh, on that one, he just couldn't do anything with it. Couldn't get the pass off. It turned into a, a he looked at a pass. Yes, he threw one attempt, but they tried it actually twice. There was one throw, there was one pass attempt, but it was twice that the halfback toss option throw happened. And the second time that Le'Veon Bell did the option pass, Guy was open in the middle. You saw Burbridge in the middle. There was, you know, he had some options there. And he failed to get the pass off. And yes, he did complete one for 29 yards. It wasn't a big highlight. But at the same time, you've got to be consistent, Dave, when you, when, you, when you go with big plays like that. If you're throwing a reverse, that's a wild play. That's not something the defense is expecting. So if you're doing a reverse, a halfback toss, option pass. In my opinion, David, those are the kind of plays that, that I think are at most necessary, you know, to complete to its fullest and to execute. Uh, do you agree? Uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, if you're going to go for a trick play, you ac- you obviously got to trust your players. And with Le'Veon Bell speaking up saying, I want to throw the ball because I can, and then you see him have a chance to hit an open receiver and he just doesn't catch the vision or doesn't see Burbridge open in the middle, that really questions you how many times can you do a trick play to Le'Veon Bell? Can we trust him? Yes, we trust him with the ball running up the middle, but how much can we put into him when we want him to go through the air? Absolutely. Now, talking a little bit now about the good things. Get that negative criticism out of the way early. We did that. Gone, capiche, good. All right. Player performance. So, besides the fact that some of these players, you know, fell on some coverage plays, Dark West Denard, Lewis both, Isaiah Lewis at 348 had probably one of the biggest game-changing plays of the whole game. An interception when TC was up 13-0, and that was just in the first half. That, for me, David, was the impact play of the game. I mean, is there anything else in particular besides that you thought was a big game changer? Maybe uh, Connor Cook or, you know, Cook coming in for Maxwell and completing that big touchdown? Yeah, um, Cook, obviously, he showed some good presence in the pocket and was able to find Burbridge in the end zone for the only touchdown pass. But Conroy stepped up and was able to kick the game-winning field goal. But along with you said, along with the interception from Isaiah Lewis, that's huge because if that play is completed and TCF TC goes up 20 to nothing. We've seen all year that this team has struggled to put points on the board as we've only made we haven't put up more than 20 more than twice this whole season. Mm-hmm. So I think that interception is definitely the biggest play, but to end off the game with Conroy's game-winning field goal is definitely what really matters. Absolutely. Now let's get to Kent. let's get to Dan Conroy right now. I mean, this is a guy who missed a field goal every single game this year. Every single game. But when we all were chomping on our nails, sipping our drink, whatever it was, and watching that field goal with Dan Conroy, David, what percentage of the people you say talked about him missing that extra, that, that field goal? Oh, definitely a majority of people. They weren't confident in him at all. You can hear the sideline remarks from the friends all gathered around the TV like, oh boy, here comes Conroy again. You know, he's missed uh, significant easy field goals, which a a player at this level should make. And I don't know, it's just questions are up in the air when he steps onto the field, especially for a game-winning field goal, the one that he ended up making. You know, a lot of pressure, bowl game. He's missed so many this year. Can he do it? But in the end, he pulled through for the Spartans and got the W. 
Absolutely. Definitely pulled through. And along with him on special teams, how about Mike Sandler? His punch went pretty deep. Some high lofted punts. Lack of returns. Um, what did you see from Sadler that you really liked? Yeah, definitely. When it comes to college football and the punter, obviously good punts, high punts are good for teams. Uh, you know, reduce the amount of players being able to actually return them and deep punts. Also, you know, field position is a huge thing in college football. And when Sadler can get it deep down the field, it allows this uh, defense for MSU to really step up, stop them, and get the ball back as soon as we can. No, absolutely. Now, talk about guys that impacted this game. Uh Anyone else in particular, David, that you say really stepped up? How about away from special teams for a minute? Was Le'Veon Bell the go-grit guy on the ground that you thought was going to rack up yardage? Well, he definitely did. I mean, he had a lot of carries, 32, went for 145 and a touchdown. I'm pretty sure that's what everyone expected from him since we went to the ground a lot this year. But our defense obviously stepped up in the front, stopping the run game of TCU, which allows – us to put our cornerbacks on the line, you know, make TCU throw the ball and see how their plays and how our defensive zone coverages pan out with them. And it obviously worked out as Isaiah Thomas came up with that big interception when we were down 13-0. No, absolutely. Now, talk a little bit now about some more of the quarterback play, uh, what you saw from Maxwell. Uh, And again, this is Open Line Show, 517-432-3893. What were your thoughts on Maxwell's performance, David? What is going to be, you know, the outcome when we come back next fall and you see Damian Terry, the upcoming freshman recruit, in there with Connor Cook? Yeah, um, Maxwell, obviously his performance was below subpar, in my own opinion. Went 6 for 15 for only 28 yards, averaging 1.9 yards per play as a college athlete and a quarterback a leader of this msu football team just just couldn't get it together and he's been struggling all season which i hate to say it but it's true he just hasn't been able to click with this, the receivers he's been overthrowing receivers miss miscues misreads um thrown into double coverage when he's got one-on-one on the outside i i wasn't impressed with his performance and finally you know d'antonio gave the call to connor cook who i mean first time under sender all season in a bowl game, you know, big stage for him, obviously. Four for 11, 47 yards. I mean, got the only touchdown pass to Burbridge in the end zone. I mean, I think he did really well as his first-time starter. But um, for next season, I obviously, it, I think it's obvious that the quarterback spot is open and bringing in, you know, the freshman recruit, Damian Terrier, they'll also, you know, turn some heads on who's going to be under right. center when we first start now, the season. We'll, we'll start it off with some early predictions. Any one of those three you see, who's going to be the start at the end of the day? I'm leaning towards Connor Cook because I honestly thought he was going to get the call this year. And then when they gave Maxwell, you know, obviously you got to put trust in him if he's going to be under center. But as we see throughout the throughout the year, he just he just couldn't get it together. But we'll see how he uh, you know trains and improves in the off season. Obviously, there's always room for an improvement, and hopefully Maxwell can you know get things together, you know, improve his accuracy, his reading, his pocket presence, and. I mean, I think it's honestly in between Connor Cook and Maxwell for next year, unless Damian Terry really, you know, right. shows them up. Now, did you see a little bit of, ter- uh, of Terry's high school film? Uh, I uh, did not. Hear anything about it? Yeah, so this is a guy that is a little bit better of a runner than most MSU QBs we've had. And I think it'd be very interesting to see. Not necessarily of him being the most ready, David, but I think he has the highest ceiling when it comes to maybe – defining this MSU football team, changing creativity cre- changing creativity from how it comes firsthand when it comes to even running our offense. Yeah, we do have Dan Ruchard, we have a great defense, uh, and we have great coordinators. But, you know, it's, it's, it's more important to see what kinds of things that we can do that, that no other team does. I think having a dual-threat quarterback in a Big Ten conference is something that we can compete with. I mean, most of the teams with dual-threat quarterbacks are top-notch. Northwestern has some, you know, some dual threat kind of plays. You've got, you know, Braxton Miller, and then you had Denard Robinson. All three of those teams all made bulls this year. So that's just to name a few of, of, of how successful something like that could be. With that said, do you agree with that? Okay to disagree? Uh, yeah, no, I definitely agree. I mean, bringing different options to this offense is something Michigan State needs, and for a guy 
like Damian Terry, a guy that can actually run the ball, which we haven't seen from an MSU quarterback, a, a fast guy that can, you know, run a wildcat offense, you know, not afraid to take the ball on his own, get hit by, you know, big defensive players. Uh, I think that it, it definitely gives other teams a harder it, – it makes team it, – it's harder for teams to set up their defense because they don't know – each play, they don't know what they're looking at. Is it a run? Is it, you know, a fake handoff where Terry steps back, throws it off? You got Cook and Cook under center. You got Maxwell under center. I, I, I definitely think it's going to add different options to this MSU offense. And we saw, I mean, they they lacked putting points on the board this year, as you can see. I mean, we've only we only had one game over twenty points. Got shut out at home against ND. I mean. Anything that can help this offense is definitely what we need, especially with the loss of Le'Veon Bell going into the draft and Deion Sims. And that brings up the next point in the show. Let's talk about that right now for just a little bit. NFL departures. We all sat there glued to our laptops, glued to our social media, and we saw that Le'Veon Bell was going pro. Now, start off with myself, David. First thing that I'm thinking is, okay, saw it coming. We'll be fine. We've got a great top-notch defense. Finally, Le'Veon Bell, we see that Golston's gone too. And finally, Golston, we have Sims. But then, Golston didn't really tweet about it. He he didn't really socialize it with it that much. People were doubting. Found out it was true. Now, David, besides the fact that the whole process is just a lot to take in in one whole swoop, but what do you say about these guys First off, with their pro potential, start off with. Let's just start with Le'Veon. All right. How yeah. successful will he be as a pro back? Yeah, I definitely think Le'Veon Bell. He's gonna be a he's gonna be a power back in, in his shows. He's he's one that hits the holes and bowling, just knocking guys down, um, jumping defenders. We've seen. I think he definitely needs to work on his agility and his speed to hit the outside. That'll definitely make him a more effective running back in the NFL. But. Uh, Deion Sims, I mean, he was the go-to guy on the outside for Maxwell and on the inside in blocking as well. So I think he can definitely be a huge asset to a team in the NFL. But Golston, I'm I'm honestly surprised with his decision. Yes, we all know that he's NFL-worthy, but this year we expected a lot out of him, and he just didn't perform to what we thought he could bring to the table. Yeah, so, so what was that performance that we really expected? Though? Yeah, I honestly thought he was going to be you know a plus player this year, but he, I mean he came in. I would honestly rank him as a B, maybe B minus. I mean we just didn't see those big plays from Golston, which should have happened. Yes, we have a solid defensive crew from front line linebackers and the outside and safeties, but Golston's the guy that led that defensive squad, and he just didn't step up as much as he should have this year and that's and he him and going into the NFL draft I I believe he will get drafted and I know he will but he could be drafted higher right now now I think there's two ways to look at it there's the view of for this player how is his decision to go professional good for him and I think there's the other view with how this move to professional football will impact the team and if you're asking about Will Golston, if, if 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 it's for out of his interest, the answer is no. He shouldn't be going to the pros because one, it's a heavily defined defensive end draft class. Yeah, which he won't get top dollar. He'll go maybe three, four. Yeah, maybe two at best. But if you're looking more into how it will affect you know the university, the answer is still yes. And, and this is why I say this is yes. We do need him for this team. He is the anchor. But I think if Le'Veon and Deion Sims both stayed, I think it would give more people a chance to maybe see a little bit more of these this defense. I mean, we've got to get these young guys in, in the game. And with Will Golston, you know, some of these guys may not see the light of day. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, do you think there's another picture that, that we're not really seeing when it comes to it? Yeah, I know. I th- Will Golston, obviously a huge loss. Um it's going to be tough to replace a guy like him, but like you said, if Le'Veon Bell and Deion Sims did stay, does that persuade Golston to stay here at MSU? I mean, does the does the decision of Le'Veon Bell and Deion Sims push a defensive player like Golston to enter the draft too? Like, hey, right. they they can go, I'm going to go. That's a great point. And, and that, that's honestly a personal thing. We, we don't know what's going on in his mind. We don't know what he has plans. But honestly, I think that Golston should have, should have stayed for the, his, his senior year here at MSU. Very good. Now, besides with him staying in his senior year at MSU, 
What else do you think was necessary when it comes to Le'Veon Bell, when it comes to when it comes to a Will Goldston? What was more necessary when it comes to what they needed to do, you know, to to, to basically enhance their careers? I it, I mean it starts in the weight room, obviously being focused, getting stronger, getting better every single day, and that and that's what it is. Because I mean, when you get to the NFL, that's your job. Your job is to get better as a player, get better as a teammate. You know, hit the holes, hit the gaps, get faster, get stronger, get quicker. And I think Le'Veon Bell really needs work on his speed. We all know he's got the power. Right. He can hit the holes. He's he's knocking down guys. He's taking down linebackers as we've seen in multiple games this year. It's just the speed and the agility of him to be able to hit the outside faster than we've seen all season is definitely a huge factor when he's going into the NFL. When right. obviously defensive line players are a lot faster than what you see in college as well as linebackers now here's the other thing too and that's a great point it's definitely him getting that outside hole that breakaway speed but what about from the view in how ready he is for the nfl because a guy like Le'Veon bell or even will gilson will gilson, will goldston has the physical tools right now to play in the nfl he does but with the way his numbers went he won't get top dollar oh. in the NFL. Now, Le'Veon Bell is the complete opposite. Yeah. He has, you know, he, he's going to get that top dollar, and the reason being that he he is that big physical back, too. He His numbers have proved it. He set records in MSU running history. The only thing, in my opinion, that it doesn't show, is and, and this is besides the fact that he set all these records, the other thing is strictly the fact that Le'Veon Bell did didn't you know did not it, it, he's going to have some time to build up his breakaway speed. He doesn't have the breakaway speed right now that is ready to compete in any pro you know any pro team. Yes, he has the elusiveness that many backs don't have. I think he'll hit the holes hard. I think he's going to be tough to bring down. But in terms of his breakaway speed, he has a lot more to develop. But his numbers still show. The show true. Uh, your thoughts on that, David? Uh, how about the other different sides? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I mean, he does have a lot of work out, work to do. I mean, the NFL is a very competitive league, and he understands going into that. Do I think he's ready to be in the NFL? Yes. Do I think he's going to start? No. Like you said, he's going to be the guy that's knocking over guy. He's going to be tough to tackle. But, I mean, working on those other ga- part of the games is going is going to take time and as soon as he realizes it that it's not going to be i'm in the nfl i'm going to start i mean the better off he'll be for whatever team gets drafted to right five one seven four three two three eight nine three thoughts on Le'Veon bell going pro Dion sims or will golston which of these guys will have the most illustrious pro career which of these guys do you think personally will is most NFL ready if they're going to get top dollar? Is is Le'Veon Bell going to go pretty high when it comes to first and even second round? Again, five one seven four three two three eight nine three. We're starting to get some calls and some tweets for our question of the week. And again, the question of the week this week for a Nebo gift certificate is how many of the the Detroit Lions losses this year were determined by eight points or less? If you know the answer to that question, you can tweet at eighty nine FM Sports or at or, or call in 517-432-3893. We also get calls if you want to talk about a certain issue or whatever that may be. We're going to jump now to the phones. Uh, you're listening to the Spartan Sports Rap. Who is this? Where are you calling from? Hello, you're on the Spartan Sports Rap. Who is this? Where are you calling from? Uh, looks like we lost a little bit of the signal there. If that caller would so kindly please call back. We're getting some more calls in too. Uh, again, 517-432-3893. Nine three, uh, David. Back to what we were just talking about a few minutes ago. Besides the professional departures, uh, let's talk more about the performance on the defensive line in the TCU bowl game. We'll start off with Will Golston. Start about with James Kittrich, Anthony Rashad White. These guys, I think, did a pretty good job of stuff in the middle. Uh, you know, a dual threat quarterback. Yeah, sometimes there are options that couldn't make sense. Sometimes some of these guys just couldn't jump off the ball and read what the quarterback was going to do. But guys like Kittridge and Anthony Rashad White. These guys stuffed the middle hard. There was no run game up the middle. There was linebackers 
excited to greet them right away. Uh, your thoughts on that performance, David? Was that the highlight of this defense? Yeah, that's definitely something that we all looked forward to all season. We knew we were going to have a big off, a, a big defensive line, and to do this in a bowl game in front of thousands of people in a different you know environment, a different setting, is definitely good to set the tone, especially for our defense. You know, forcing guys to the outside. You know, getting allowing our line to you know come back, make tackles, allowing linebackers to make plays as well. Um, I think those three up front did a did a def, they definitely did a great job against TCU. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now let's talk about with all these departures. We kind of touched on that. How about the fact of which of these receivers? if any, are going to be the highlights for this team. Uh, is there anyone you see specifically, David? Yeah, I, Aaron Burbridge, he obviously has been making plays all season and um, going to be a senior next year is Benny Fowler. They really need to get their act together, and they also need to step up as leaders of this wide receiver crew. I mean, overall, we struggled. We had a lot of drop balls this year, and so I think them two in general need to set the tone for this upcoming season despite of – dropping the ball themselves this year, I think those two really need to step up and be the leaders for next year. All right, very good. Now, before we get to some more calls, we're going to jump to a quick break on the Spartan Sports Wrap. You're listening to 89FM, WDBM, East Lansing. shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sitter Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. Morning, gentlemen. Want to hear our specials? Sure. First, we have the seafood special. It's been sitting around here for a week. We're known around these parts for our food poisoning. Wouldn't it be great if you could be warned of life's risks? If you have diabetes, you can. It's called A1C, a simple blood test that can help measure your risk of complications such as heart attack. To find out more, go to www.diabetesa1c.org. Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation International, and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM. I'm your host, Alex Shog, if you're just tuning in. David DeFever over here to my left. We're going to get right into Detroit Red Wings hockey in just a few minutes. Right now, we're touching a little bit more on MSU football, the last TCU bowl game, a little bit more about NFL departures, quarterback competition, and many other issues coming out of this football game. The number 517-432-3893. Before we jump to our caller, just in a sec, I want to congratulate one of the first people to get this question of the week correctly, Daniel Hamburg out of East Lansing, originally from Maryland. Congratulations, Daniel. Uh, you can call Dylan at 517-432-3893 for more info on how to get your prize. Again, we're going to jump to the phones right now, and we'll see who's calling. We've got DJ from the D. What's going on? What are your thoughts on MSU and what you saw from the last bowl game? What is up, Big Alec? How are you? Doing pretty well, DJ D. What's going on? Nothing much, man. It's a touch on uh, growing pains, growing pains. Yeah. The learning curve, the heart, the getting on the same page, the individualism, getting doing away with that and getting back to old Spartan football, smash mouth, catch the ball, make the tackle football. Right. Yeah, now it, with Le'Veon Bell now, how are we going to be that smash mouth football with no you know, elusive, big, hard-to-bring-down runner up the middle? Well, I'm quite sure the MSU and its uh, past recruiting pa- practices, they'll come up with an uh, uh, answer to the missing Le'Veon Bell uh, puzzle. We have talent all around the state of Michigan as well. as We recruit well outside the state. I think we'll... I think we need our secondary and receivers need to be shored up. Le'Avion Bell, uh, he'll be missed, but easily replaced. 
No, definitely. Uh, you know, that's definitely a good way to look at it is they will do the job in, in getting those recruits. Now, you mentioned receivers, DJ. Uh, thoughts on which of these guys coming up besides maybe Aaron Burbridge is going to step up? There's a guy I know personally, uh, a guy named Monty Matters, who's right in the folds redshirted this year. He had some big offers from Florida State to Michigan. This is a, a highly touted guy with some really good tools. Uh, any other guys in that receiving core, maybe Tony Lippett, uh, to name just a guy, uh, any of those other guys you see stepping up? Well, Aaron, being a former uh, uh, Harrison, uh, Farmington Hills Harrison football player, I know him very well. Watched him since little league. Mm-hmm. I think next year is his time to shine. It's it, it's my show. I've been through it for a couple of years. I know what it entails. I'm the go-to guy. I have to bring it, bring my young guys up to speed. But I have to be the leader. I'm not. Uh, well abreast of the other receivers, I'm, maybe I'm kind of partial to Aaron because he played with my godson. <laughs> but he, right. uh, I think next year is his year to, uh, to shine, and I think that they'll get it done. Now, DJ, before we go back to you real quick, David, any thoughts on some of these receivers? I mean, there's a guy who transferred to Anthony Arnett out of Saginaw. This guy started at Tennessee now, finally getting his way into Michigan State. David, thoughts on what DJ said a little bit about a little more about maybe D'Anthony Arnett? Yeah, I think uh, both of these guys have to step up this upcoming year. I mean, a lot of people will be looking at Benny Fowler, too, being a senior, but, I mean, with the amount of drop balls he had, I think Burbridge, like DJ said, it's going to be his time to shine. But with him being the receiver to shine, who's going to be the quarterback that's going to get him the ball, DJ? Big A, uh, that was my next question, and I don't want to get down on Michigan State quarterbacks and I that that's a big question right now. I just hope whoever is behind center this year can uh, exercise a little heart this year, withstand that uh, pocket pressure, stand in there, stand strong, and give these receivers a chance to make a play. And so I don't know who it will be. I just pray that whoever's back there will get us back <laughs> to playing MSU. Uh, certainly, and I think that also rests on this offensive line. Is you know we've seen injuries all throughout the year that we never thought we'd seen from center to right tackle. Uh, DJ, let's just quick quick wrap up on MSU football before I ask you about basketball here. We've got a big quarterback crop coming in. We've got Connor Cook who's improving, showed in the TCU game. We've got the dual threat Damian Terry coming in, highly touted guy. Uh, pretty good physical tools out of Pennsylvania and Erie. And you've got, of course, Andrew Maxwell with the, with the experience coming back. Now, DJ, any of these three guys, do you think Maxwell, with his experience, is going to get even better next year? Should Is that the reason why he should get the nod? Is it Damian Terry based off pure potential, even though he may not be the most ready for game situations? Well, I, I, I kind of think that uh, MSU coaching... They'll make that, those assessments in, in spring training and the preseason and get it together. It's kind of hard to say who deserves it right now. It's to, who steps up to the plate when the season starts, who does well in the preseason, mm-hmm. who shows uh, maturity, and who, who gets it the fastest. I think that's who they'll put out on the field. No, oh, absolutely. That's a great way to look at it, too. Uh, now jumping to Spartan basketball. I'm sure, DJ, you've been keeping up a little bit on the games, the big Purdue game. Matt Painter, the coach, calling Brandon Dawson the best rebounder in terms of natural talent, and that's in the Big Ten. Uh, thoughts on that comment, what you saw from that blowout. Is this Keith Appling's team now? I mean, and even Gary Harris, and Izzo says himself in conferences that Gary Harris is the kind of guy that will be good. He will be our guy. But personally, DJ, I'm pretty sold on the guy that he's already established himself based off that last game and a couple games previously as as the most consistent and and best leadership abilities kind of guy. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you, but kind of partial to Keith Appling. You know, that's little DJ is one of his favorite players from uh, Detroit Persian, but I think he has a, a couple of things to twerk in, in, on his game and the leadership skills and getting his team involved. I I think they'll be all right come tournament time. We're just that one key player has to realize that when I do my job and we get this blue-collar thing together, we'll start rolling as a team. Mm -hmm. No, great, yeah. And uh, even you know that, you know, with Appling being a Detroit Persian guy, I mean, that's a solid crop of competition coming out all the way, you know, in the Detroit leagues from Southeastern, Southwestern, you know, even Cast Tech when it comes to football. That's right. a pretty hard area to play in when it comes to, you know, shining and, and even comparing to Ohio. I mean, both of those, you know, states and cities are, are definitely hard to play in. 
Definitely, definitely. Uh, Keith Appling has been on the AAU circuit, a playing at Persian. You play everybody, and that program continues to grow year to year. And we, he gets to play against. Well, they get to play against the talent from Ohio. I just oh, was at Country Day over the Christmas season and um, watched them play against uh, teams from Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, teams from Illinois, and they measured up well. So you get a lot, and that, that's why I believe that uh, MSU is very lucky to have a. Uh, a shooting guard turned point guard such as Keith Appling. He's, I think he's adapting to his new role. And I, I, I'm, I'm not worried about uh, Spartan basketball. We'll always be there. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, now, last question here before I get before you get going, DJ. Brandon Kearney, a big a big decision to leave Michigan State for other options, needed a fresh start. And this is something that I thought uh, that threw me off a little bit, DJ. This is something that Brandon Kearney came out and said, when it when it came to finding out more about the reason he transferred, and some of his players were a little you know hard to read on it, they were a little puzzled on his decision, and I think it stemmed even more from uh, even the coaches because I, as well as is that Tom Izzo wasn't really expecting it, it kind of came out of the blue to him. I mean, there could have been the chance that some of these players could have seen it coming, and this is the comment that I that he said that I'm a little puzzled with, and this is what. Uh, even his teammate Derek Nix said, this is what he said. He said, from Derek Nix, quote, I didn't know it was coming. Like Coach said, everybody's not happy everywhere. At one point of time, I wasn't happy, but usually when you're playing, you don't want to leave, so that's kind of confusing because it kind of threw everybody off. Hopefully he makes the best decision. I hope he's happy where he goes. Now, end quote right there. That's you know a big quote because DJ... The players themselves don't know it's coming, but Derek Nix says at one point he wasn't happy either. And does that stem from playing time? Does that have to do with Brandon Kearney having a self-projected image for himself? Or what do you think led to that transfer? I think I think that uh, knowing Brandon very well and his family, I think that there were outside influences that made that decision for him. I don't really believe. I, I think that he enjoyed being there, but there were people in his ear who told him, if you go elsewhere, you'll shine, that type of thing. I hate it. I thought that it was a good spot for him to sit behind guys and learn the game. And I, In his junior, even senior year, he would, he would flourish. Patience is a virtue, and I believe he failed to exercise. Listening to this is bad information, but I do wish him the best of luck wherever he goes, but what he has to understand in life, like everything else, you have to crawl before you walk. They heard of you at MSU. You got a chance to show yourself. You have to introduce yourself to the world again. You're no longer that high school player who is dominating in the PSL. You're on a collegiate level and playing in the Big Ten, playing all across the country. Introduce yourself. If you don't believe they know who you are, introduce yourself, and you go grow from there. No, definitely. Great words. Very wise from DJ from Detroit. DJ, I appreciate you coming on the show. I uh, hope to have you call back in a couple other weeks. Uh, keep listening, my friend, and uh, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you too, bub. Take it easy, bro. All right, you too. All right. All right, we're going to jump from DJ all the way back to Elmo in Detroit as well. Elmo, what's going on? What's up, Alex? Elmo, we just got done talking with DJ a little bit about uh, some the Brandon Kearney transfer, uh, what that did to the team. Uh, it was kind of unexpected. Uh, basically, even his teammates saying that he was down on certain times as well. Uh, what were your thoughts on the transfer? How will this all make up everything? Well, Alex, you know, it's hard to say. Michigan State's a great basketball program, and uh, I think Tom is always still keep that team in gear and be ready for the Final Four. Now, even back to the uh, the loss against Minnesota before Purdue, uh, that was following the Brandon Kearney transfer. And you said, "Yeah, it's you know it's very objective. It, it's a great team. They have always had those Final Four kind of teams." Now, with this transfer, uh, do you think that loss had anything to do with Brandon Kearney leaving? I mean, was that just a, a chemistry needing to maybe come together between the team? Maybe some adjustments need, needed to be made when it comes to getting the right lineups out there. Uh, what was it for you, Elmo, that led to that? Um, I just think that uh, the team is, you know, they're, 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 they're an experienced group of guys. Um, I think that the fact that Brandon Kearney got transferred, you know, transferred, I think, he, you know, he, he was probably unhappy with the playing time he was getting. Um, 
you know, I think Minnesota, you know, they're, they're the black horse in the Big Ten. Um, they're an excellent ball club, but uh, Michigan State's a great team as well. Uh, but I think uh, I don't think it's going to hurt Michigan State that much, the fact that he's gone. Yeah. Now, Elmo, anything else you want to say over there? Anything about MSU football, TCU bowl game guys leaving professional yeah. Le'Veon Bell? Yeah, I, I think uh, it, it's going to really hurt the Spartans next year. They're losing some great, great ball players, the tight end and, and Golston and um, the running game. I mean, you know, they had a they had a, they had a pretty good year this year. I think if they could have stayed for next year, I think they would probably be a Big Ten favorite. Wow. You know what? And that's the other thing is with the schedule they have, obviously with guys leaving, this may not be the same team. But they do have an easier schedule. Elmo, how funny would it be if MSU is better than 6-6 six and six next year, even though they lost Le'Veon Bell, Will Golson, and Crew? you gotta, you got to compliment the coaches for that. Um, I mean, obviously, they lost four starters that could probably play in the NFL. And for them to be that good next year, it would be a very a real accomplishment for the team as well as the coaches. Definitely. Now, in that game, Elmo, who was your MVP for Michigan State? Just get a little bit of fan interaction here. Uh, in the last game? Right. Got to go with, um, I, I like to tie that in, Mr. Sims. Ah, very good. Yeah, and, and what were your thoughts even more on, on the line? Because I thought that David and I were talking about this earlier, that Anthony Rashad, right, James Kittredge, these guys allowed no run game up the middle. This was the first game, if you compare Ohio State and Michigan I mean, this is the first game that Michigan State won against a dual-threat quarterback. Yeah, that was very impressive. Very impressive. Absolutely. Elmo, again, as always, appreciate you calling in. I'm glad that you continuously support the Spartan Sports app. And make sure to stay tuned for recent weeks. We've got a lot more coming up right up your alley, Elmo. Thanks, Alex. Love the show. All right. Love the show. All right. Talk to you later. All right, David. Time, 746, uh, now 747, just striking it. Uh, 517-432-3893. Congratulations, our question of the week winner is Daniel Hamburg. Uh, you can call back on the other line whenever you are ready to claim your prize and, and figure out how to get the Nebo gift card. Now, going back now, David, we're going to jump to NHL hockey. Let's talk about the big news. NHL hockey's back, 45-game season. And boy, does this team have a lot to work on. Yes, this Detroit Red Wings have a lot to look forward to, but a lot to work on as well. Uh, like you said, a uh, 48-game season. Um, going to have three, four games a week, so it's really uh, it's going to be very vigorous on the players. Um, getting, I mean, using that practice time as efficient as you can, switching up the lineups, you know, defensive zone coverages, strategies for the game is going to be huge. Um, I'm excited for the season to start. I honestly think that this year it's going to be it's, it's extremely competitive. We've been in a lockout for 113 days. Finally, the NHL and NHLPA have you know figured it out between each other and have settled on a CBA agreement. But um, I mean, a 48 game season. I was reading uh, last year the Minnesota Wild were third in the West and they ended up not making the playoffs so there's it's kind of like a strong start bad finish uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs were in third in the East a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a handful of years and your Stanley Cup champions were in the eighth place and the New Jersey Devils who were in the finals as well mm-hmm. weren't even in the running so, so I th- that means different Stanley Cup champions this year? I say this is going to be an incredible hockey season it's much short as 40-something games shorter. Now, now, will that come to the Wings' advantage when it comes to length? Because we've got an older team. Yeah, we definitely have a bunch of older guys that are you know, veterans to this team, but we also have good crop coming up from the Grand Rapids Griffins, you know, guys that have played in a few NHL games, know the pace, know how, you know, games have to be won. Um, I think it's, I mean, the Wings have made the playoffs for 21 straight years. They've been a solid team. In and out, they've coped with adversity throughout the years. Last year, they at one point had eleven guys out of the lineup and managed to you know pull wins, you know, for their team. You got the great coaching and Mike Babcock. I mean, this is a year for the Wings. I think to make it past the first round in the playoffs, as we you know got knocked out by Nashville. Um, I think everyone needs to focus on what we need to do as a team and 
how we're going to cope with all these new guys. We got a new defenseman. We got a new tender. We signed, you know, Samuelson and Tutu up front on the offensive end. It's it's going to be exciting to see what this uh, Detroit Red Wings team brings to Hockey Town. Absolutely. Now, from what this Detroit Red Wing team brings to Hockey Town, let's talk about what this defense needs to compete. Now, no more Lidstrom. You've got some of the older guys on that team. Uh, you know, Jonathan Erickson. Uh, you've, you've got some of these Grand Rapids guys, as you were saying. Now, who in particular, if not at all, is going to step up for the team? Yeah, I definitely um, am going to put, you know, the... The new leader in charge is, I think it's obvious for most Red Wings fans, is Nicholas Cronwall. You know, he's been under the wing of Nicholas Lidstrom for the last, you know, five years or so. Uh, you know, learning a lot from the most humble guy that anyone has ever met. Um, Lidstrom being in the league for that long, um, every day that you're with that guy, you really pick up you know, a different sense and a better sense of game. And for Nicholas Cronwell, I mean, we he's a very competitive guy. He brings the physical presence to the back end, as we've seen when people are quote-unquote Cronwald. <laughs> quote-unquote. Um, <laughs> he's a healthy player. He's smart with the puck. I think that he's really going to step up this year. Um, also bringing in Ian White from last year. He's, uh, you know, another veteran from this team. Um, Brendan Smith, a younger guy that we brought up last year, has got a couple games in. Kyle Quincy had him, you know, got signed with Colorado, and then we got him back last year. I think that with these new guys that we have in the signing of Carl Colley, Kaliakovo from St. Louis. I think the defense is going to be good. Um, I'm not too sure about Jonathan Erickson and Jakob Kindle, but I mean, those are younger guys that have to, you know, step up and learn as much as they can from these older veteran guys on the back blue line. But I, I think the Detroit Red Wings will be fine this, uh, defensive core this year, especially with the signing of Gustafson and Goal. I mean, if we look at Howard getting the starts for these, you know, most percentage of games. Um, Gustafson is a, a, a good, reliable backup, unlike Ty Conklin, who we had last year. You know, he's a big goalie, takes up a lot of the net, and he's one of those goalies that can make big saves and get a W for the Detroit Red Wings. No, absolutely. Now let's jump to guys like Damian Brunner, newcomers. You know, we got Drew Miller, who had 15 goals and 15 assists in 23 games in his Scotland in his Scotland performances. And like you said, Kendall, scoring 11 points for his Kazakh, uh, Czech Republic team. Which of these guys do you think is going to have the biggest impact, some of these newcomers? I, I, I'm, I'm putting a lot of faith in Damian Brunner. Um, he's a guy that in the league overseas, he uh, you know, led the league, had a good amount of goals, You know, someone that can find the back of the net. And I think that's crucial, especially if he's going to be playing on the second or third line. And you've got, you got Datsuk and Zetterberg and Bertuzzi that can bury the puck. But it's nice to have someone that's you know third and fourth line players that can also find twine. Definitely. Now, let's talk a little bit more about goaltending. Is this, you know, the the end-all, be-all year of getting a goalie trophy? Uh, you know, what is going to happen when it comes to winning the V and when it comes to our goaltender net? Yeah, um, I think we have a big chance. I mean, Jimmy Howard has definitely been pulling up a, a, a high number of wins the last few seasons. I know he dealt with some groin injuries last year, which really set him back a few. But, I mean... If he gets injured, I mean, we do have a solid goaltender in Gustafson, and I think that is going to help with our defensive core with this team. We, you know, the loss of Lindstrom, the loss of Stewart, we're all worried about it. But now, you know, if you look at it, the leadership of Cronwall and then bringing in Koliakovo from St. Louis, I think that this team defensively will have it figured out. And under the coaching of Mike Babcock, if things do go wrong, you know that they're going to be fixed right away. Absolutely. Let's sure hope that holds up. Now, since we do have a little bit of time, David, any last thoughts about Detroit Red Wing hockey? And we're going to jump to a little bit of Detroit Pistons basketball for a second. Any thoughts about hockey before we jump to basketball? Oh, the Red Wings will make the playoffs for 22 years in a row. You've got some Jersey fans. You've got some Pitt fans that will beg to differ, my friend. If you beg to differ or feel otherwise, 517 3893 is the number again. The, the number 517-432-3893. You can also tweet at 89FM Sports App or feel free to call in. Alright, Pistons on a roll. They won four straight leading up to their last loss last night against the Bobcats. That was a close one too. 108-101. 
Pistons. They've got a game against the Milwaukee Bucks. That is the 11th. That's five days from now. That's this Friday night. So, with that said, David, how will this team fare to finish the year? Before they were looking at no playoff berth, another Greg Monroe kind of pick, you know, take within the top 10. Now, they've won a lot more games than they've won in the last couple months. Now, how will this team finish? Is this a playoff-bound 8 or 7 seed team? I honestly don't think that the Pistons will make it that far. Yes, they've found a little hot streak in their game, but overall, as a team, I don't think they're good enough to make the playoffs. But, but this is a team who beat the world champion Miami Heat. One game, though. And, and that's the other thing. is Yes, they didn't have the win. Way that's the typical fan response, but they beat the Miami Heat. It's things that not many teams are at all able to do. And with that said, David, does that change your opinion at all about this team? Uh, I mean, I said that they would be a smidge over 500 at the break, at the midpoint of this season, which seems that they're at that point. But I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. I mean, the losses are big that we lose to. We give up a good amount of points. I mean, yes, there's a lot of close games, but those close games are ones that we need to win. And throughout the rest of the season, um, I don't think that the Pistons will make the playoffs. So who is going to make it out of the Pistons? If this isn't a playoff team... Uh, do you think that there are some seven to eight kind of teams that are going to make it over them in particular? Is it because just our conference is too good? I mean, who is it, David, if not this Pistons team? I definitely think it's a very competitive, you know, conference that the Pistons are in. And if it's not them, I really couldn't tell you right now. But um, I think they'll end up. I think they'll make a run towards the end, but I just don't think they'll squeak in. Very good. Now, like I said, the Miami Heat dropping to the Pistons, only a handful of teams, it's just about 10 teams, being able to defeat the world champion Miami Heat. Now, David, wrapping up the show, it's time for our very special segment on the sports trap, and it goes a little something like this. Goon of the Week. Again, Goon of the Week on the Spartan Sports Trap each week, David and I, at the end of each show pick a guy that we just think didn't really represent himself correctly. And this week, David, not sure if you saw it, but Rajon Rondo purely bumping into a referee on the court. Uh, I'll give him this. It was a bad call. The referee called an offensive foul on Rajon Rondo. But was it enough to purposely bump into the referee? Was it a purposely uh, thrown kind of attempt at the referee? David, thoughts? This is his fourth suspension this year. He already got two games for throwing a ball at referees in Detroit. And now you're going to get him one more for bumping into a referee. Thoughts, comments, concerns? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of a little bit of Chad Ochocinco, a guy that can't handle his temper, can't handle his attitude. I mean, you're going to get bad calls in the NBA. We see him every single night. And for Rondo to react like that towards a referee is completely unprofessional. Four suspension of the season. Who knows if he'll be the next Rasheed Wallace of suspensions. But um, definitely, you know, unprofessional on his part and definitely needs to get it together. Absolutely. All right. And wrapping it up, we talked about this a little bit earlier. The NHL coming to an agreement. You're talking about that, throwing in your goons a little bit. Well, Batman did something right. He got the agreement done. Uh, now you got to look at it differently and say... Is it more of any players that could have been a goon in this? Do you think it was more personal egos in general? Yeah, I mean, it goes for both sides. It's the NHL and the NHLPA that had to both come to an agreement. And for it to last 113 days, obviously there's some selfishness on on the money end of this deal. So I'm I'm going to throw a goon at the players, the whole NHL, for not, you know, figuring out, getting it done, you know, being a little selfish. And also with uh, Gary Bettman and Don Fair, the president of the NHLPA, just, you know, just not being able to figure it out. I mean, this is the third lockout that, you know, has occurred with Bettman being the commissioner. And obviously I think the guy needs to get gone. He just needs to be done with the NHL. And I honestly think this league will be much happier if his face is not on, you know, front cover of it. (laughs) Hey, front cover or not, this guy is the commissioner for now. Yes. That's going to do it for us at the Spartan Sports Trap. Happy Monday. Happy New Year, everybody listening. Appreciate the callers throughout the show. Again, if you want to call in in next week's 
517-432-3893. That's next week's show. You can sure do that or tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. Again, congratulations to Daniel Hamburg for winning the question of the week. He got the question correctly. That's 12 games of 16 lost by 8 points or less to the Detroit Lions. Pitiful, spiteful, but less. But nonetheless, we're getting a top pick this year. Yes. All right, that's going to do it. From Alex Sharg to my left, we've got... David DeFever. And we'll be back next week. Happy Monday, everybody. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.